If you have your Bibles, let me encourage you to join me in Deuteronomy chapter 31. Deuteronomy chapter number 31. I'm going to preach on reasons for Sunday school this morning, and then next week I'm going to start a four-part series of messages entitled Triggered. How to control your anger in an uncontrollable world. I'm telling you what, we're living in a world that is absolutely out of control. And there's so much anger out there today. My heart broke yesterday as Miriam and I were traveling back uh, from uh, our anniversary. Uh, we've been married 22 years. We celebrated that. And uh, we were on our way back and heard the tragedy that happened in El Paso, Texas. Boy, my heart just went out uh, to those there at Walmart. Miriam turned to me and she said, Shane, you know what? It just really, it could happen anywhere. And how true that is. Our hearts and prayers go out to those uh, that are suffering uh, today. This morning, Deuteronomy chapter number 31. This is a very fascinating passage of Scripture. In this Old Testament passage, we see the reasons for Sunday school. So are you kidding me? No. No, just remember this. Remember, it's also in the Old Testament that we find what's called the Proto-Evangelium. Now, the Proto-Evangelium is the very first presentation of the gospel. It's in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. It's told, we are told there that Satan's going to bruise Christ's heel, but he's going to crush Satan's head. And to God be the glory, he did so at Calvary on the cross. And thank God for the resurrection that seals the deal so that you and I can be saved. But it's also in the Old Testament where God spoke to Moses and gave him some really good reasons to assemble together in a Sunday school type setting. Now we know that in the New Testament, the Bible tells us that we're to go out and to make disciples. And as we do so, we preach the gospel to the entire world. And so well, what do we do on Sunday morning? We come here and get our spiritual batteries charged so that we can go out and share our faith in Jesus Christ. Nothing tickles me more than to hear reports of you sharing your faith and bringing your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, your family members to Jesus. I praise God for your witness. I thank God uh, for your encouragement. I thank God that you believe the Word of God and you just don't believe it in your head, but you believe it in your heart. And you flesh out that truth week in and week out. This week, I hope that you'll flesh out the truth to commit yourself to Sunday school during this brand new Sunday school year. Today, we celebrate uh, Sunday school as it is the brand new year for Sunday school. And so we find here in this particular text, Moses is about to turn everything over to Joshua. As a matter of fact, it's on his birthday. He's 120 years old. And the Bible tells us that God spoke to Moses and said, you're not going to go over Jordan. But what I want you to do is I want you to get Joshua and I want you to assemble the people together because there are some things I want everybody to know in assemblies. And we pick up this passage of Scripture in verse number 12 of chapter 31. Now, if you're able to stand, would you please stand as we honor the reading of God's Word? Notice what the Scripture says. Gather the people together. Men and women and children and thy stranger that is within thy gates, that they may hear and that they may learn and fear the Lord your God, and observe to do all the words of this law, and that their children, which have not known anything, may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as ye live in the land wherein ye go over Jordan to possess it. You may be seated for prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you'd use this passage of Scripture to speak truth into our hearts. 
I pray that you would encourage every saint that's in here, everybody that's born again, I pray you would encourage them from this passage. Sunday school teachers, outreach leaders, Lord, those that participate in class, God, I just pray you would just encourage us all. And then, Lord, I pray that you would challenge us. Would you use your word to challenge us in Sunday school? And, God, I pray that as you challenge us, I pray that we'd have a more closer walk with you. And then, Lord, I pray, Father, that there's one, if there's one here today that doesn't know the free pardon of sin, they don't know Christ as their Savior, that the scales would fall from their eyes, and today would be the day they trust you as their personal Savior and Lord. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for loving us. I pray a blessing now upon this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Sunday school is vitally important to the health of Maysville Baptist Church. Uh, we're in three services. How many of you in here knew the people that were in the 815 service? Would you just lift your hand at this time? No hands. Guess what? Those that were at 815 don't know you either. <laughs> Let me give you some more encouragement. Those that come in here at 930, many of them will not know you either, and you won't know them at 930. And so if you're going to know one another, if we're going to have fellowship with one another, if we're going to encourage one another, if we're going to care for one another, if we're going to hope for one another and pray for one another, if we're going to do life together, here's a big word that's used today, in particular among millennials, and I heard it several times as I'm, I'm trying to lead us, and that's the word community. That, that's what everybody wants. We want community. Well, what is Community. When we think about community, we think about the places that we live, our neighbors that live beside us. We remember, many of us remember back uh, many years ago where community seemed to be stronger than it is today. Today we live in communities where we may not even know our neighbors, where we may not go by and check on our neighbors, talk to our neighbors. But what's fascinating to me that even amongst millennials, one of the greatest things that they desire more than anything is community. Hey. Dear friend, if you want to have community here at Maysville Baptist Church, you must be plugged into Sunday school. As a matter of fact, don't forget what our purpose statement here is. We are to love God, love others, and serve the world. Could you say that with me this morning? Our purpose statement is to love God, love others, serve the world. And in order to do that, the vehicle by which we've chosen to do many of those things is Sunday school. So if you're not involved in Sunday school, there's a good, a good chance that you feel disconnected. If you're not in Sunday school, there's a good chance that you don't feel like uh, you're getting all the information. Dear friends, Sunday school is the lifeblood, if you would, of Maysville Baptist Church. That small group is where you're going to find that community. And so this morning, I want to give you four reasons for Sunday school that we find right here in this past of Scripture. Let me ask you a, a, these couple of questions. Have you ever been to a football game but didn't arrive till after halftime? Have you ever gone to a movie and uh, didn't get there until after it had already started? You missed the introduction. Have you ever attended a wedding when the bride has already walked down the aisle? Have you ever came to uh, home uh, after a long day's work and everybody has had something to eat and you got the cold leftovers? Dear friend, when you don't come to Sunday school, you've missed out on half the game, half the movie, half the party, half the fun, and half of the meal. It has been said that oftentimes we are poor because we miss out on certain things in life. 
I wish I could tell you the number of times where I visited in hospitals or visited in individuals' homes that have accepted Lord, the Lord late in their life. And they'll turn, they'll say something like this to me. They'll say, Pastor, I wish I would have come to Jesus a lot sooner. Or they'd say something like this. I wish that I would have prayed a whole lot sooner. I, I wish I would have come to know more about Jesus a lot younger in my life. I wish that I would have attended Sunday school a little bit more. I wish I would have been able to build those relationships a little bit more solid in my life. Dear friends, Sunday school is the place to be. Sunday school is the place for you to get in, involved in your life. It is the place where God can bless your life. It can strengthen your walk with God. It's building relationships with each other and building community within our small groups. So this morning, I want to show you in this Old Testament passage four reasons for being committed to Sunday school. Number one, the first thing I want you to notice here in the text is we need to be committed in Sunday school for reason number one, to reach others. To reach others. Look at what the Bible says. If you've got your pen, pencil, lipstick, or mascara, let's follow along in our Bibles. Look at what verse 12 says. Gather the people together, men and women and children, and thy stranger that is within thy gates, that they may hear and that they may learn and they may fear the Lord your God and observe to do all the words of this law. Here in this passage of Scripture, we see that Sunday school exists to reach others. In this passage of scripture, that word reaching there is defined as making a contact with a person and motivating him or her to give an honest hearing to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I know that, Sammy, you've had people get saved in your Sunday school class where the gospel's been presented and people get saved. Miriam told me this year, just this past year, that she had four girls come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord. I'm telling you, Sunday school is where you get a hearing for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, sometimes, watch this, sometimes when you reach that individual and they come into Sunday school, in that non-threatening environment where you're talking and discussing the Word, of God are the lessons being taught to you that is a pre-evangelism hearing to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I can't tell you the number of times where people have come out of Sunday school, come into the worship service, hear this great music, hear these great songs, and then listen to the Bible being preached and they're reached for the gospel of Jesus Christ as they surrender their life and say, I'm coming to know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior and Lord. As a matter of fact, when you read this text and you see the reaching arm of the church being Sunday school, Moses says, as God's speaking to him, two things that's worthy of our attention. Number one, the first thing he says is he gives us a pointed proposal. A pointed proposal. Did you see it there in verse number 12? He uses the term gather. I would underline, put an asterisk by, highlight that word gather. It's the Hebrew word kahal, kahal. It means to call together. It means to bring together in a small group. It gives the picture, if you would, of a football huddle. We all know a football huddle, thank God, it's counting down to football season. Can I get a witness? <laughs> in a football huddle, you got the quarterback, and he's surrounded there, and he calls the play to the team. And the team breaks huddle and they line up and off they go to execute the play. 
what are they attempting to do? They are attempting to successfully run a play that will score them a touchdown. I've got good news for you, Jr. Jesus has already scored the touchdown for us. He's alive today and forevermore. And when we come to Sunday school, we get in those small group huddles to call a play that we can impact our community, impact our culture, impact our country for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm just, listen, I just believe that God's not done with us yet. He's not finished. And if we're going to have the greatest year at Maysville Baptist Church, then this year we need to be committed to gathering together in Sunday school. It's a pointed proposal. Not only does he say gather, but I want to show you a second word here. The second word I want you to see is that word together. Together. Now watch this. The scripture says, gather the people together. Did you know that that word together in the Hebrew is the exact same word as the word gather? It again means to assemble. It means to come together in a small group. So God, in speaking to Moses, he says, assemble the assembly. Gather the gathered. So what is he referring to? He is setting this up in such a way to say, there is a specific way that I want you to gather. There is a particular structure by which I want this gathering. And that leads us to the second point. Because not only do we see a pointed proposal, but we also see a particular people. There are a particular set of people that the Bible speaks about that he wants gathered together. Who are they? Well, let's look and find out. Notice what the Scripture says. Look in your Bibles. He says, gather the people together. Watch this. Number one, men. Who are those men? I put in the notes this morning just to remind us that that's fathers. Now, why did you put fathers? Well, but the definition of this word men here is mankind. It has an emphasis, however, in the context on fathers. And there's a reason why he listed them first. What he's saying is that it ought to be the father's responsibility to gather together. You've got to want to. Listen to me, dad. Listen to me, husbands. We have an obligation under the authority of God's word to make sure that when we gather the gathering, that we're first. We're leading the way. We need to be involved in Sunday school. He's saying there needs to be a collective uh, portion of men, fathers, that are coming together. And they're coming together in such a way to hear the Word of God taught. Now, stay with me because it gets gooder and gooder, I promise. Now, let me show you a second thing very quickly. The next thing he says there in the text, look at what the Scripture says, and women. And women. When you look up the definition of women in the Hebrew, here's what it says. Those that are opposite of men. <laughs> Uh, so Hebrew and Greek are fascinating languages. I mean, they're fascinating. Uh, for Greek, as an example, you have the word love. You know, and love can, they don't just have the word love. I mean, they've got like 50 words, love. But w- watch this now. But when it, and the same thing in Hebrew, but when it comes to gender, there's only male and female. Now, look, you can be upset with me if you want to. I know our culture says there's a gazillion different genders, but the Bible says there's only two. So well, you want to you get in an argument about uh, the anomalies that happen uh, in life? 
uh, in the, here, here's the, the ticket on those. They are anomalies, and they're, they're not as much. I mean, you watch society and culture, you, you, you would think that every other person's being born, uh, you don't have all their parts. That, and that's not true. Are, are there anomalies that happen out there? Sure they do. Sure they do. So does that prove that uh, evolution is true? No, it proves that evolution is not true because those anomalies aren't for the better. They're always for the worse. Always for the worse. The anomalies that happen or the uh, mutations that happen oftentimes, oftentimes, in, in, especially in particular when it comes to you and I living, is always to the, de- 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 the detriment of humanity and life. It's not to the positive aspects. And so what about, uh, what about the, uh, uh, the moth, you know, when that moth is, is that, uh, that change that's happening in that moth in relationship to, to it uh, over the centuries? That is it involved into that? No, 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 it didn't involve into that. Uh, that's, that that's natural selection. There's a vast difference. Now, this, this is not a uh, sermon on, if you would, on, on uh, uh, evolution. But the fact of the matter is simply this. When the Bible speaks about gender, it only speaks about males and females. So he says, yeah, they need to assemble. That is, women need to assemble. There needs to be a coming together. What's fascinating about this term men and women, it carries the idea of fathers and mothers. Why? Here's the context. Look at what's next. Children. There's the context in which we're sitting in in this passage. Children are little ones. That is, anyone that is under the age of adulthood. He says, these are people that need to be coming together. And then watch this. Here's number four. Strangers. Who are the strangers that the, Bible are, that the Bible's talking about here? Well, it's, the Bible says that they are strangers within thy gates. That is, those individuals that are in your community. Well, who was in the community there uh, There as the children of Israel were waiting to cross over Jordan? Well, th- there were those travelers that have come through. There were travelers that passed through. And the Bible says that you ought to take those travelers and bring them in and welcome them. You ought to love others. That's what the Bible's saying. Love others. It's not only travelers, but it's newcomers, those that come into the area, that move into the area. What the Bible is clearly saying here in the text, if we're going to catch it up with the 21st century, is that we have communities that we live in, and we need to know who our neighbors are. We need to go over and introduce ourselves to our neighbors, invite our neighbors to come to church. Uh, Miriam and I have two new neighbors that have moved into our community. And a couple of uh, months ago, we uh, made our way over to their home and introduced ourselves and, and, and encouraged them and invited them to come uh, to worship with us, of which they said, when we get settled, we'd love to do that. It's getting about time when we go back over there and we just invite them once again to come and to join us here in worship. They said, this is a desire. We have moved into this area. But dear friends, when's the last time you talked to your neighbors? What do your neighbors think about you? Do they think, well, yeah, they go to church. They go over there to Maysville Baptist Church, but we know nothing about them. Oh, dear friend, I praise God for the love that we have here at the church when people walk in. But may I say, let's let Maysville Baptist Church not just be on this hillside, but also be in our homes and reach out to those communities and invite them to come and to bring them in. As the Bible says, a particular people, the strangers, the newcomers, the foreigners, those that are around you, to gather them together. Now, let me just go on record and say this. That's hard work. It's hard gathering people together. It takes effort. It takes intentionality. It takes doing more than we think. Dear friend, we can do more than we think we can, but only if we have the desire to. 
Can I ask you this question? Do you desire to see your Sunday school class grow? If you desire to see your Sunday school class grow, then we've got to do something different. We've got to do something intentional. We've got to do something. Go knock on a door. Talk to someone. Open our mouths. It's the same thing with our relationship with Christ. If you want a stronger relationship with Christ, you've got to do something different. I, I told the 815 service, and, 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 and I, I'm, I, don't, I don't want to be braggadocious. That's not the intent of this illustration. But I, I've done, I, I really have talked about losing weight now for good night. I've been talking about it for four years. And I talk about it, talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. And I've, ex- I've made excuses. Y'all feed me to death. Good night. Do you know when I arrived here five years ago? Five years ago, I gained 30 pounds. 30 pounds in less than a year. Y'all the eatingest bunch of folks I've ever met. Thank God. Preacher, I'll never forget my first First week here, y'all had some kind of, the senior adults were, uh, had this uh, uh, dessert baking contest. You remember this, David? They asked me and you to judge. Bless God, I only did that one time. I mean, I, I bet I had five or six of you coming up to me and going, mine was good, wasn't it? As a matter of fact, now that I think about it, I think I gained all 30 pounds that day. I was, I ain't never judging this again. How in the world can I say this banana pudding's better than that? I mean, it's just absolutely incredible. But I gained the weight. So I, and through that weight gain, things happen. Cholesterol gets out of whack. Blood pressure gets out of whack. Energy gets out of whack. And I'll go to the doctor, and man, we, we played this game for many years. Well, if you just walk a little bit, 10 minutes is all it takes. Just walk just a little bit, and it'll come down. Man, I got preached to every time. And finally said, I'm tired of preaching. Now you got to take medicine. Your cholesterol's so high, now you you at a place where you gotta you gotta take this medicine. Your, your blood pressure's so out of whack, you gotta take this medicine now. And so you walk out of there defeated. And finally one day I just woke up and I said, You know what? If I'm gonna lose weight, I've got to do something different. And I looked over there to my left in my bedroom, and there sat probably one of the most expensive clothes hangers that exist, a stationary bicycle. (laughs) And I got on that thing, and I started riding it 30 minutes every day. And over the period of 90 days, I've lost 17 pounds. Now, listen to me. In order to do that, I had to do something different. Different, the same is true with your walk with Jesus. Philippians chapter 4, excuse me, Philippians chapter 3, verse 14 says, I press towards the prize of the high calling of Jesus Christ. If you're going to press towards something, that's hard work. Even the term press, you see that in your mind. Pressing against something, that's a difficulty, that's not laziness. That sounds like progress. Sounds like moving in a direction. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above. If you're going to set your heart and set your mind on things above, then you're going to have goals. How many people are you going to reach in your Sunday school class this year? 
What's the, what's the class goal of enrollment? What's the class role, uh, goal of reaching somebody for Jesus Christ? If every Sunday school would just reach one more person for Jesus Christ, imagine, imagine what would happen here at Maysville. Oh, dear friend, what's your goals this year? Dear friend, some of us need a goal just to be in Sunday school, to be committed to Sunday school. 2 Peter 3.18 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be both uh, glory, both now and forever. Amen. Peter there in that passage is charging you and I to grow in our faith. We need to grow stronger in his grace and in his graciousness. We need to grow in our knowledge of Christ. And we need to grow in the area of our Sunday school. Uh, Henry Ward Beecher, a preacher, once said, he said, the church is not a, a gallery that exhibits Christians. It is a school to educate imperfect ones. Dear friend, we are all imperfect. And the Bible gives us insight in the, the book of Matthew, chapter 29. He says, go ye into all the world and make disciples. If we're going to make disciples, and if this year is going to be the greatest year in recordance of our Sunday school, then we need to reach others for the gospel in Sunday school. Number two, let me show you a second thing. Not only do we do this to reach others, but number two, we also do it to teach others. Look at verse 12. In verse number 12, God gives Moses a three-point appeal to understanding. What do you mean? He says, number one, he gives an appeal to the mind. He says that they may hear. Do you see it there? I'd underline that phrase, that they may hear. This is an appeal to the mind. My dad would say to me, he'd say, son, are you listening to me? Are you, are you using that thing between your ears? An appeal to the mind. Open your ears, he would say, and listen to what I'm saying. Uh, the word here, the phrase here that they may hear means to want to hear and give attention to. It is that of giving interest. You're interested in what's being said. And you desire to flesh out the truth that was said through a walk of obedience. Because if you get it in your mind, it can move down into your heart. What do you mean? Look at what the scripture says. He makes an appeal to the heart. He says that they may learn. This term learn there is a skillful learning of the heart. He says, your heart's got to be in it. If it's in your head, move it from your head into your heart. We call this faith. By faith, let Sunday school be a, a positive thing. Let your Sunday school class create and generate more FOMO than any other Sunday school in the, in the church. You know what FOMO is? Here, this would be a good, good thing to write down. FOMO. Uh, F-O-M-O. FOMO. What does that mean? Fear of missing out. Man, I don't want to miss what happens. I find it's, it's so funny. Uh, you know, we'll have a service in like, on the, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago at the 11 o'clock hour when I was preaching on giving. Good night. The Holy Spirit of God fell on this place at the 11 o'clock hour. I mean, the preacher was in shock. I couldn't believe it. I preached on money and the, I mean, the altars were full. I mean, people were just getting right with God. Uh, relationships coming back together. And I did do a double take to David. I said, did that just really happen? He said, yes, the Spirit of God fell. And then people started talking about it. They said, man, I should have been in the 11 o'clock service. Those that were in the 815 were saying that. And those in the 930 said, man, we should have been in the 11 o'clock service. FOMO, the fear of missing out. Let me say this. Don't miss out on what God's doing in Sunday school. Be a part. And then we have an appeal to the Spirit. He says that they may fear the Lord. The word fear there means to respect, to reverence the Lord, to be in awe of Him. 
Uh, someone once said the church is not made up of people who are better than the rest of us, but people who want to be better than they are. And if you want to be better than who you are, then you've got to stand in all of God. And in order to stand in all of Him, then God says, look, he's, He tells Moses, make an appeal to the spirit of people so that they'll fear the Lord. Make an appeal to their hearts so that they can learn the truth. And make an appeal to their mind so they'll listen and pay attention to what God is saying. To teach others. Number three, here's the third reason for Sunday school, to care for others. To care for others. Galatians chapter 6 tells us that we ought to bear one another's burdens. And also, the Bible says also, as the opportunity presents itself, we ought to do good to the family of believers. Romans chapter 12 verse 10 says we need to be devoted to one another. The scriptures are clear and they speak very clearly of what we need in regards to the word of God in caring for one another. We need to care for each other. Look at what the scripture tells us here in this text. The Bible says there in the latter part, the very end, and observe to do all the words of this law. Now there are two things worthy of pointing out here in relationship to caring for others. What, what are these two things? Number one, the first thing I want you to notice is a call to action. A call to action. Moses, through the Holy Spirit, through God speaking to Moses, he is giving the people and he says, listen, I am calling our people to action. Notice what he says in the text. He uses the term observe to do. I would underline that. Why? Because that word means to guard. It means to keep. It means to keep watch over. To give, to give heed and practice safety, to care for. Dear friend, Sunday school is a place that if you want your needs cared for, that's where you need to get them cared for. That's where you need to bring your prayer requests. That's where you need to bring your lost friends. It's where you need to be a part of, where there's this call to action that we care for one another. Man, I get so excited and so tickled when Times when I go to the hospital, people are shocked that when I show up, uh, they, they say, well, Pastor, we wasn't expecting you. Is it worse than I thought? I mean, am I dying? <laughs> when, no, I, de- I just had a little time. I, I wanted to come, come see you. Well, my Sunday school class has been here. I love my Sunday school class. I, I love my Sunday school teacher. I love my outreach leaders. My Sunday school class is providing a meal for me when I come out of the hospital. Oh, dear friend, Sunday school is a place of action. Yes. I don't know if it was Paul Harvey uh, where I heard this story or Reader's Digest, but I remember a story of a young woman who was traveling alone up the rutted and rugged highway of Alberta uh, up to the Yukon. And she did not uh, know that you weren't supposed to travel to Whitehorse alone in a rundown Honda Civic. She made her way that first evening and found herself at a, at a hotel, and she got out of her car. She walked in, and she asked the uh, owner of the hotel to give her a 5 a.m. wake-up call because she needed to get an early start. She didn't understand the look of shock and surprise on the hotel owner's face, but uh, he gave her that wake-up call anyway. When she got up the next morning, it was clear why he was shocked because she got up to one of the thickest fogs that you could ever see there in that Yukon Valley. And as she got up, she said, there ain't no way I can travel right now. I need to wait till it burns off a little bit. So she didn't want to look like an idiot, so she went over to get some breakfast. There in the breakfast area were truck drivers that were driving their big rigs all the way up. 
There was no other place to sit except beside two of these truck drivers. And they very kindly, in a gentleman-like fashion, said, Ma'am, would you like to sit here? And she obliged them, and she sat down. And uh, as they were there, she said, or, or, or they, they asked her, they said, Ma'am, uh, where are you going? And she said, Oh, well, I'm heading up to Whitehorse. And they said, In that little Honda Civic? And she said, well, yes. He said, there's no way you're going to get past. There's no way. This fog's not going to break today. You will, Listen, this is suicide. You cannot go up that way. She said, well, I'm determined to try. And the two truck drivers looked at one another, and they looked at her, and they said, well, I guess what we're just going to have to do is we're going to have to hug you. The lady pushed back from her table. She said, you ain't going to touch me. He said, no, 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 no. He said, no, no, that's not what I mean. What I mean is we're going to get one truck in front of you. You will be in the middle and another truck behind you. And you will follow us all the way through. And I think we can make it through if you'll follow in between us. And that whole time of travel, as she was in between them, the only thing she could see in that dense fog were two red lights and the bright lights of assurance behind her that she was being cared for all the way to Whitehorse. Dear friend, many of us are walking in a deep, dense fog. And we need help to get from point A to point B. What we really need is some Sunday school classes to hug on you and to help get you from where you are to where God wants you. And the only way that that can happen is you've got to get involved. You need to be a part of Sunday school. Sunday school is a place where action happens. It is a call to care for others. But not only is it a call to action, it is also a call to attention. What do you mean? Look at the Bible. Just look at what the Scripture says. He says, not only that do we uh, observe to do all the words, watch this, of this law. All the words of this law law. It's a call to attention. What do we obey? Dear friend, we obey this right here. Man, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm weary of some of these preachers won't preach what the Bible says. Dear friend, as long as I'm living, we're going to look and see, well, what does the Scripture say? And according to what the Bible says here in this text, he's telling the people of Israel to listen to the law of God. Now, this law of God, this is a great, great passage. Why? Because I'm out of time and I'm sorry, but let me give you these last two and I'm done. This is a great passage because it tells us the words of this law, the word of this law has a messianic ring to it. When you study the, the language that's used here, the words that are used, what Moses is communicating to the people is Jesus is coming. The Messiah is coming. All the words of the law. Remember what the law was designed to, to, to do. The law was designed for us to see and say we can't fulfill it. Jesus came to fulfill the law. There's messianic undertones and rings to it. Remember the first proto-evangelium, Genesis 3.16, excuse me, 3.15, where it tells us that Jesus is coming, the first prophetic event to say that the Messiah is coming. And here we find Deuteronomy, which, by the way, Deuteronomy uh, is uh, loosely translated the second law. It's not the second law. It's not the second law. That's a wrong translation. Deuteronomy is an addition to what he's already said in Leviticus. 
We know this to be the Pentateuch. The Pentateuch is the first five books of the Bible that Moses wrote. Moses wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's called the Pentateuch. The fifth book of the Pentateuch here is an addition to what he's already said previously, and it has more Messianic ringtones in it than any other Old Testament book. He's simply saying, Jesus is coming, and pay attention to his coming. And if you want to pay attention, you ought to make sure you're paying attention in these small groups. And then here, here's last one. Let me give you this last one. I've, I've, got to, I've got to close. Here's number four. If you're keeping score, number one reason for Sunday school, to reach others. Number two, to teach others. Number three, to care for others. Here's the fourth one, to fellowship with others. To fellowship with others. Look at verse number 13, and I close. He says, And that their children which have not known anything may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land wherewith you go over Jordan to possess it. I don't know where my little fella is, but I, was, I come in here and I was shaking hands and I had a young boy come up. He shook my hand. He said, this is my first service to be in. What he's saying is he's been in children's church. He's been in junior church. He's been over in kingdom pray. He's made his way all the way up. And today is his first service. It's raining. Y'all hear that? How many of you want to take a nap? Bless God, I saw it. No, I'm just kidding. You, did you see everybody followed you? You lifted your hand there. Ten people said, I want to take a nap too. Well, here, let me just say, preacher wants to take a nap too, okay? All right, so here's what he said. I'm going to this. After preaching three times, you better believe I'm going to take a nap. I know y'all want to go to Sunday school, so let me give it to you. Watch this. If we're going to fellowship with others, what the Scripture's referring to are two things here. Watch this. He's referring, first of all, to a work of cooperation. A work of cooperation. What do you mean? Look at what the Bible says here in verse 13. And that their children, which have not known anything, may hear and learn to fear the Lord. He's saying that we cooperate together to teach the next generation. It's a generational thing. We teach from generation to generation to generation the things that we are learning in regards to hearing, learning in our heart, and fearing and reverencing God. Does that make sense? Say amen right there if it makes sense. So, so this is what Moses is telling the people of Israel. He says there needs to be this cooperation. If we're going to have the best Sunday school for the kingdom of God, we need you to cooperate. I need you to cooperate. So what does cooperation look like? It looks like searching your heart and seeing if God is saying, you need to help teach a class. You, you're gifted as a teacher. You're gifted as an outreach leader to use that gift for the glory of God. All right, number two. Here's the next one. It's also a work of dedication. Look at what the Scripture says, and I close. He says, in the latter part of the verse, you see it there? As long as ye live... In the land wherewith you go over Jordan. says it. You're going to go, Joshua, we're going to go. But as long as you live, you make sure you're doing this. And we can turn to the New Testament now, and we don't have time to do that. But Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It's very clear. We do the same thing in the New Testament. This is an Old Testament example of New Testament principles. Is the word Sunday school in the Bible? No, it's not. But the principles of Sunday school are found all the way back even into the Old Testament. Amen? You thankful for Sunday school? All right, let's pray together, church. Father.
thank you for this congregation. I sure do love them. I pray, God, that if there's somebody here today that doesn't know Jesus as Savior, that today would be the day they get saved. Lord, would you uh, open our hearts and challenge us now as we've studied your word in Jesus' name. Now, church, before I say amen and we get out of here with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, maybe you're here and you've never made a commitment to Jesus. Maybe you've never committed to him. Dear friend, before you commit to Sunday school, you need to commit to Jesus. Listen to me if you're listening by way of the Internet today. Before you commit to anything, you've got to commit yourself to Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So if you're here today and you'd like to commit your heart to Christ, from your heart to God's heart, would you say something like this to the Lord? Would you say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe that you are the Messiah. And this morning I ask you to forgive me of my sins and to save my soul. I'll live for you. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name.